Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H E L P. Hello, Egg Chasers. This is the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast. Keep that music up a bit louder. Come on. Uh, It's the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. Uh, The reason I wanted the music a little bit louder, and keep it going, just leave it. Let let it run out on its own, JB. You sound like a WWE wrestler. Play (laughs) my music! Keep it going, play my music! (laughs) Um, It's because it was pointed out to us that after... When was it in the American Election Day cycle, but... Donald Trump left the stage to this music. He did. And I'm guessing Joe Biden will be entering multiple stages to this music because it is the Washington Post March. Uh, It's the Egg Chasers rugby podcast theme, uh, latterly known as the Washington Post March. Yeah, they've reappropriated it from what I hear. Yeah. But Donald Trump's often been a a huge, a huge uh, listener of Egg Chasers. He's been a fan for a long time. 100%. Uh, Hello, JB. Hello, Tim. Oh, by the way, Joe Biden's also a fan, in case you're wondering. Yes, of course. Uh, and hello, Phil, down the line. Hello, hello, Tim. Hello. From the uh, Egg Chasers shipping container that I have commandeered this week. Yeah. Very nice indeed. Uh, now, you can't see Tim, can you, Phil? I can't. Do you want me to describe him to you? <laughs> Does he look as good as he looked when he was... Uh, oh, yeah. Don't talk uh, about doing this. some commentary on football That's for right. BT Sport hey, this mate. weekend. When, when he was raking in all that BT money. Does he look exactly. as good as when he was raking in the BT money by doing the dirty on the sports of rugby reporting on, on football? It's a great question. Uh, he looks broadly the same. Broadly the same. He's wearing a hoodie, some jeans. But... For some reason, one of his arms is bigger, and I suspect it's because of all the weight on his on his finger. He seems to be wearing a Super Bowl ring. <laughs> that ring is incredible. It's uh, it says on it, "Fantasy Champion" on the top. On <laughs> on on the side, it says "2020," and that's because I was the 2020 Fantasy Rugby Draft it's... Champion, and so I yeah, I thought I. I'll get myself a, a championship ring. I'm hoping that one day I'll be like Tom Brady with six. I was going to say, you look like 2002 Tom Brady or whenever, <laughs> whenever he got his first one. Yeah. Now, Tim, I didn't have a chance to count in the video, but it looks like there was somewhere in the region of 2,020 diamonds on that ring. It is blinged up. Oh, yeah, it's, it's blinged up. Yeah, no, no expense spared. You, I mean, when you, when you become the champion of the Let the Boys Play Fantasy Rugby Draft League, you need to, you know... 
Even with an asterisk. Has it's, it's got 2,000 asterisks on, uh, on it? <laughs> no asterisks there. Just uh, all, the, all, the, all the record books are going to say is I was a champ. And, it, and later on in the podcast, we'll tell you how you can get involved in, uh, in fantasy rugby draft well, as well. There is a small well, problem with your ring, Tim. A very small problem. Yeah. I, th- I suspect winning the fantasy rugby league now, the Let the Boys Play League, is going to be a little bit like winning the Eurovision Song Contest, which is nobody wants to win it because they don't want the cost of hosting it next year. <laughs> and I can see the rings getting a little bit out of hand when I'm ordering like seven dead illegal rhino so I can, uh, <laughs> so I can craft, my, craft my ring. Well, watch this, but you've got to win it first, mate. <laughs> Phil, I, I, Phil I was... hasn't managed to win it, have you? You got very close pretty much every year, but never won it. Yeah, and I've, I've topped... I've topped the regular season table oh, well uh, at least at least two years, but mm. but never won the big one. Yeah, and I, I was actually Tim. I was reminded about your route to the final this weekend, um, when on the Sunday evening when the game is finished, you were out of it. Um, I was progressing through to the semi-finals, and on a recount on the Monday morning, <laughs> yep. you made it through. So stop the count. Hashtag a... stop the count. If only I'd done a Donald and stopped yeah. the count on the Sunday night, you would never have made it. Oh, don't, well, don't forget about my um, absolute nightmare. Two-legged playoff. I thought it was one leg. I was down. Didn't even pick a team for the second leg. <laughs> that's that's uh, no one's bad luck, but your own stupidity. Yeah. User error. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I definitely rode my luck, but a champion I was. And yes, as I say, we'll give you information on how you can get involved in fantasy rugby draft for the upcoming season, which is two weeks away in the Premiership. However, also on this podcast, we're going to be talking about the Autumn Internationals, the Autumn Nations Cup, which starts uh, next weekend or this weekend, depending on when you're mm-hmm. listening to this. And um, we have got some rugby to talk about from the weekend just gone. And also, let's just quickly just brainstorm any other business you want to discuss, because this is one of those rare podcasts where... We have a little bit of space if you wanted to delve into something. Actually, there is something, but I don't think I should talk about it so soon after being so trivial about the ring. I'm going to save my uh, my challenge to you both for about an hour in. A, bit, a, little, a little bit of light relief later. Okay. Okay. Phil, any, anything in particular, or should we just ramble and see where this goes? Uh, just one thing to mention. It was a sad day this week when a legend of the game, rugby podcast favourite, and possibly the slippiest man in rugby announced his upcoming retirement from the game. Yeah. Johan Uge is yeah, hanging yeah. up his oil and his his um, uh, car mechanics grease at the end of the season. Yeah, he has no business retiring yet. He has still got it in spades. So hopefully someone can you know, persuade him not to go. Maybe there's one more contract, four more years, or, I would hope. I mean, what, or, <laughs> unless he's finishing early because he's got, uh, I don't know, there's a, a Hollywood villain role. Yeah, that he can fulfil. Is he a villain? He's not really a full-on villain, is he? He's like the villain's number one henchman, like the second to last to die. Mm. He's not <laughs> the actual villain. Yeah. Who is the actual villain? Bernard Laporte. Yeah, Bernard Laporte. Oh, yeah, that's oh, a no. great shot. There was another one who was um, doing the rounds as as a villain. Um, who the hell was it? A, a bald fella. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But Bernard Laporte will be fine as a as an ultimate <laughs> bad guy. For sure. Well, I'll tell you what, as it is Remembrance Sunday as we're recording this, and I do, by the way, I do, I do love the sport of rugby on Remembrance Sunday because they, that's one sport that just does it right. Every club, small, big, uh, there's been some lovely messages and tributes and people highlighting some incredible players that captain the club um, and and died in, in the World Wars and things like that. I really think rugby does Remembrance Sunday better than any other sport. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I, it does. It does do it well. Um, it's very poignant on days like this because, particularly old clubs uh, around Manchester, around the northwest, we have many. And if you do the thing of looking at the teams, just to put like today's crisis in context. Yeah. If you do the thing of looking at the teams, you will just see a gap from 1939 all the way through to uh, 1945, 1946. Um, and then when the teams reform, maybe you get one guy or two guys back. Because you've got to remember, that's you know six six years. That is like a lifetime. Yeah. It is a lifetime. Yeah. So yeah, we do we do we 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 do it very well. But there again, I think all sports do. Oh no no, so. of course. Uh, yeah, I uh, just uh, there, there's one story that um, uh, I was aware of, but didn't really do the, the full reading of, and I've looked into today. And I thought I'd share. Does the name Edgar Mobbs mean anything to you, Phil? No, I don't think so. Hmm. Well, that's cool. that's cool. If you're a Northampton Saints fan, it'll be very familiar to you. There is an Edgar Mobbs Way near the ground. I think there might even be a, a stand in Franklin's Gardens uh, that bears his name. I may be wrong on that, but in any case, he is a, a club legend, former captain, played 234 times, seven England caps, and played between 1905 and 1913. And he, he led the, the Northampton Saints side to some, some historic wins, some really memorable matches. Uh, there's one against Australia, um, uh, that was the the Australians' only defeat on tour wow. in 1913. Uh, that that was the season he got an, earned a call up to England and scored the only try in a game against the same Australian 15. Anyway, he finished playing in 1913. That was just the start of his legend, however, because uh, World War One started. He was denied an officer commission that he went for, uh, but he went on and formed. He decided he got told, "No, you can't be an officer." So he went on and formed what became known as the Sportsman's Battalion, where 264 men, led by Edgar Mobbs, made up the 7th Battalion, largely, of the Northamptonshire Regiment. Uh, only 85 of them survived the war, but it was a load of sportsmen, a load of rugby players, and they came from all over the place, but there was, there was a lot of athletes and sportsmen uh, that were part of this. Uh, he, was, he, he died at the Third Battle of Ypres. His body was never found. Um, in 1921, thousands turned out for the unveiling of the Mobs Memorial. That was in Northampton's Market Square. And that, in that year, in 1921, was the first Mobs Memorial match, which might be a game that you may well have heard of. It happens every year, and it used to be between the East Midlands and the Barbarians. Really? Yep. Yeah. Uh, and it's been played ever since. Um, oh, I did not know that. Wow. At, at, yeah, and at Northampton Saints, they're, they've sort of... Over time, this they now know it's currently at 264 men, but all the time they're adding names to this uh, Mobs' men, this sportsman's battalion, oh, uh, as, they, they as, they, as they find out information oh, and, and, and piece it all together with, through records and stuff. And there's a Northampton Saints have been brilliant at keeping an archive of, of all of these guys and the stories behind them. And if you, if you want to delve into it, it's, it's absolutely fascinating just reading the stories of these guys that were playing for Northampton, well, as, as we now know Northampton Saints, and then never came back. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating. Sadly, it was all too yeah. boring. Yeah. It, it, it's incredible as well, because I've, I've just looked him up as, as you were describing that, Tim, and he played, played for England until he was 28, and then obviously um, a few years later went off um, to join the war and died at, at just 35 um, in Passchendaele as part of the Third Battle of Ypres, which is just... Uh, yeah, incredible. if you know anything about that battle, it's probably one of the worst places you could ever have been a human being on earth 
that, that, yeah. that Passchendaele with the yeah, it was just horrific stories from that. So yeah, th- these are special men, and actually, and and I, I always um, I like, I like Remembrance Sunday. For one reason, it just reminds me that I have not got a problem in the bloody world. As much <laughs> yeah. as people like to, t- we all like to say, uh, "Oh, it's awful at the minute, isn't it? Dreadful." No, no, it's really not. I had, I had, del- I could not go out last night. I had Deliveroo to my house. <laughs> awful, isn't it? Dreadful. I mean, what, what a crisis. I know. Third world. Third world. Um, <laughs> Australia won a game of rugby. They you- did. Yeah. Uh, so I reckon that JB, you should just. Our podcast should just be motivator for... Uh, that's probably what they did. Dave Rennie just went, guys, listen to this. <laughs> just play JB Go. Michael Hooper's rubbish. Uh, Corabetti, overrated. Corabetti, you know, I watched this, this game and I completely agree with myself. I've never agreed with myself more. <laughs> he is so good. Like, he's so naturally brilliant. He's maybe, in terms of just natural raw talent, maybe the best in the world. He's right up there. Still not a consistent international by any stretch. He's oh, just, he was he was incredible in he, this game. He can be at the ball. That's the point, isn't it? He can be. I mean, that is hit on Mackenzie in, in the last. Yeah, <sighs> basically to win the game. But just, that, that was that was two hits in one because he yeah. he spots the overlap. He shoots up about thirty meters, nails Mackenzie man and ball. Mackenzie gets the offload to Jordy Barrett, and Corabetti's already up on his feet. And Corabetti is the one who steals the ball, strips the ball from Barrett, which is the the turnover that wins the game. Yeah, was, uh, that was unbelievable. That, that he tackle. he's just capable of things that no no other human can do. But he also drops the ball a lot, and he also makes lots of mistakes. This this was a very good game for Marika Corabetti. Yes, he was. Yes. He was class, and yeah. his his power as well when he's running with so, the ball. So there was one where he burst off the back of a line out and. It was um, Akira Yuani snagged him with his fingertips. It was incredible. Oh, I did see that and dragged him a little bit. Yeah, and if you if you just got away from that, it was one on one with Sever Reese, which I really would have liked to see. Yeah, because they're both very very quick men, very <laughs> yes. agile, very quick mm. men. Although I think Corbetti's got him in the pure power game stakes. Yeah, Corbetti's a, a bigger, stronger boy, I think. So I don't know much about rugby, as you well know. But if I read the tea leaves right in this game, if Australia wants to carry on winning, they just need to keep on playing more people who don't play 10 at 10. <laughs> Is that their road to success? Well, it, it, both teams, I mean, uh, All Blacks playing their, their young fullback, uh, Bodie Barrett at 10. Then, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. And then Australia picking Reese Hodge, who has, who has seemingly played everywhere in the back line. Like I'm sure I've remembered him starting at 12, definitely 14, on the wing, definitely 15 and 15. Yeah, I think yeah. of him as a sort of utility center type, but he did yeah. really well, really well. He, but like, what great. if Reese Hodge is a utility back? What's James O'Connor? <laughs> what's Matt Tamua? Yeah, Leah Leofana, maybe Leah Leofana is a bit more of a 10 actually. Yeah, and. Those other guys, James O'Connor has played in the back three when he was younger. I'm not sure. He only played for Sale in the back three. He's probably the most versatile Australian player since Gitto. What about Beale? Yeah, Beale yeah. as well. He was pretty he was versatile. There. He's played everywhere as well. There must be something in the way they develop players. 
Yeah, well, this is a thing which they talk about, actually. Um, the Australian podcast talk, talk about our friends in Green and Gold, which is they produce these amazing all-round athletes. Some of that might be because they come from rugby league backgrounds or rugby league. So you're getting phenomenal rugby players, phenomenal athletes, but not very specialised. So I guess then it's almost like the French dilemma, isn't it, where you need to get someone to coach these lads that understand the background and the way that they want to play rugby. I wonder if, I wonder if you need to kind of go away from traditional rugby union coaching to sort of make a third way of playing for these guys. Well, certainly, well, I think understanding their background is is the perfect thing. Mm. And there's because they're not specialised. There's probably no one size fits all approach. You've got to look at the individual talent for for the players that you're coaching and try and fit them into your system. And this I, is one of the. Yeah. It, it, it reminds. It really reminds me of. Um, I know I've mentioned it before on the podcast, but it's such a good book, Range, uh, by David Epstein, which looks at the the two alternative specialist specialists versus generalists and compares the first chapters yeah. comparing Roger Federer who didn't uh, specialise in tennis until he was 19. He played football, handball, basketball, all the rest of it. And um, Tiger Woods, who was totally focused on golf from the age of about nine months when he was walking around with a golf club. Mm-hmm. Um, so and it, it's not saying that one is better than the other um, per se, but it does give plenty of examples of where being specialised um, has Sorry, being a generalist until you until later on in life has advantages. Yeah, and you learn a lot more broader skills that can then be applied to narrower situations later on. I wonder if the idea of being a generalist by accident makes you a specialist because you've got a mix of general skills which just happen to fit into a very specialist spot which you wouldn't have found unless you were a generalist. Right, right. there's one position in the, on the field. We, we need a real utility player in this position. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know yeah, what you yeah. <laughs> I think almost, the, the way Australia played this game this weekend, given that that is something they seem to have and have always had in their playing squads, the, these generalists, uh, as you put it, Phil, uh, I think letting the boys play a little bit is the way to go. If you try and squeeze... Uh, if you try and squeeze them into systems that are too tight and too too structured, I think that's when it will probably fall over. It's probably the same with France a little bit as well. There, there, there's, yes. there's times and places on a field where you want real heavy structure, set piece and things like that. But actually, when you've got core skills like that and natural ability to cut lines as France do and support, just flood through in support. And Australia, it's the spotting little spaces and doing the thing that's a bit unexpected. Like a sort of very expensive alcohol. You've got to let it ruminate a bit. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Hmm, I completely agree with that. Yeah. Now, I think this game's going to be dominated by one thing, sadly. And in fact, it has been dominated by one thing. It's not Australia's win, because ultimately it doesn't mean that much, does it? It's, it's the red cards. Yeah. Uh, one question. I was thinking about this. Is, is it New Zealand have had three red cards in international matches? They haven't had many, have they? There was Sonny Bill. Bill Williams against the Lions. There was, was it Brody Vitalik got one? Yes, he did. I don't remember what for, but that rings a bell now. And this might be... What did he? I'm thinking about when he got injured. I think I'm thinking about when he got injured when he wasn't available. I, I, I don't know if he got a red card, actually. I think there might only be a few occasions when New Zealand have had a red card in an international match. Did they have one in, a, in the World Cup? Oh. Scott Barrett, Scott, Scott Barrett, Barrett that's uh, it. against Australia. Yes, that's uh, right. I, I, am I right in saying New Zealand have never won a game when they've had a red card? No idea. Sonny Bill, they lost. Was that the second test? Yes, they lost. They did and then Scott up. Barrett, they lost against Australia. Um, there were there were two others apparently. Uh, Cyril Brownlee in nineteen twenty five. 
Now, I, I bet in, in 1925, you'd have to do something oh. pretty, pretty naughty to get... <laughs> what did you do? Card. And, and Colin Meads in 1967, which again... I suspect that was something pretty naughty. Okay, so in the professional era, New Zealand have had three red cards and have uh, have lost every time they've done it. So there you go. For for a team that are as accomplished as them, learning how to play with fourteen men is something that they they can do to improve uh, their repertoire and and their their skill set. And that is something they definitely need to develop thinking about winning the, winning a World Cup, particularly with the laws having moved in the way they have. And yeah. I'll, I'll, just, I'll, I'll just touch on that for a second, because I remember we watched, uh, over the last lockdown, we watched All or Nothing with the All Blacks um, on Amazon Prime, and Aaron Smith explicitly said in that that they have never trained to deal with a red card. Which oh, I, my I God, found, he did! I found... Totally astonishing. You mentioned this months yeah. ago. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I remember we we did it um, at Sedgley Park. We we trained not specifically for red cards, but trained how we would set up defence um, for scrums, lineouts, and everything else. Um, if you're a man down for a red card or a yellow card, and that was under Clive Griffiths, who's a former Wales coach, former um, Welsh international, and St Helens player, who's a very good coach. But it's just astonishing that the All Blacks have never done it, and. It, I guess maybe they not having a red card between 1967 and uh, 2017 perhaps led to it, but they have to now because it is, point it this is into, becoming a bigger part of the game. Point this into any an economic co- uh, co- context. Do you think, do you think that's uh, for the for the All Blacks at least a red card is basically a fat tail event? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's the, their equivalent of a uh, pandemic. It is, isn't it? Yeah, well, why prepare for it? It's never going to happen. <laughs> exactly. Mm. Um, so that, that's interesting. Um, we are going to see more red cards, I think. Yeah. Uh, well, we, I, I, I've not run the numbers on it, but I believe we already are doing. Yeah. Um, All Blacks' record alone suggests we are doing. I, I for one, don't think it's a bad thing, and I've said this before. Um, I, I really think that um, Tungafasi and Lachlan Swinton will both learn hugely from that. From from um, those two incidents, yeah, and hopefully there'll be fewer incidents like that going forward. And this was an unbelievable game, regardless of the red cards. Yeah, if anything, you could argue that the red cards created a bit, and the subsequent yellow cards to Marika Corabetti and uh, Scotty Barrett again, naughty boy, very um, naughty, led led to a bit more space, a little bit more confusion. Um, and a more exciting game. Well, it's funny you say that because we did. Uh, I thought just I thought it was a, an interesting point. It won't happen, but it was an interesting point. We were tweeted uh, by Rob Sherrington. Um, no, sorry. Oh dear. Get out here, Rob. Yeah, not you. Not <laughs> not, not Rob. now, Rob. God. <laughs> um, <laughs> we got tweeted. Oh yeah. Um, oh no. Don't worry. Uh, anyway, yeah. The general question from whoever it was that I haven't made a note of properly. Um, it, is there a does does this game provi- present a case for having fourteen men instead of fifteen? Uh, well, okay. So there's lots of there's lots of things going on in my mind here. No, it doesn't. Like, it doesn't because yeah. you can still play the game of fifteen and you can still score lots of tries. Um, yeah. In fact, listen to my shameless plug. Listen to my interview this week on Rugby Dungeon with Rob Baxter. Yep, where we talk about stuff like this. Literally about how you manipulate games of rugby union. Um, 
So, no, I don't think it makes the argument for 14 men. No. I also don't think that the idea that the the sceptical, the spectacle is better, like you just said, Phil, justifies red cards. Uh, I think that there is an argument, whether it's a strong argument or not, I don't know, but an argument nonetheless to get rid of red cards now. Now, that does not mean everyone gets away scot-free with things. Um, it just means that if someone commits a red card offence, they have to leave the field, but they can get replaced. And the reason I think that is so much time and effort goes into building these systems and processes that you should be able to um, replace a guy so you can continue with these systems and processes. Because the spectacle does get better on occasions, granted. But no different to like if you had a boxer and tied one hand behind his back or... Well, I mean, I guess there are sports that already do this. Horse racing, you weigh down your horse. So, you know, the, the, there are ways to improve the spectacle. I just don't think relying on red cards is, because you could also then make the argument, well, why don't we just randomly remove players then if it improves the spectacle that much? <laughs> Which, you know, no, fine. I, my, my point wasn't that this improved the spectacle. My point was... The spectacle um, was fine. It, didn't ruin it. The, the spectacle was brilliant, yeah. and it would have been brilliant without the red cards, and it was still brilliant with the red cards. And I've heard... I've heard the argument made um, a lot of times in the past, less so these days, that oh, a red card ruins the game. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't think that is the case. I think but I wouldn't be. I, I mean, maybe I'd like to see it for an experiment, but I wouldn't be certainly advocating just having random players removed from the pitch every now and again. Yeah, we, I, well, and Finn Sanity as uh, running Finn alongside. Sa- oh, I am for clarity. I am definitely advocating <laughs> Finn Sanity. Yeah. So. Um, uh, I don't agree with you. It improve. It doesn't ruin the game, because I don't. I think that's a slightly separate point to saying it improves the spectacle. So the actual game itself, the processes, the systems is one thing. The spectacle is something quite, quite, uh, quite other. Because if you want to say what improves the spectacle, well, all-out fights improve the spectacle quite substantially. They're, they're, I mean, I know we can touch up, but actually they do. They really do. Uh, reckless shots improve the spectacle. There's lots of things that improve the spectacle. They're not necessarily good things or necessarily things that we want to see more of. So I would go along the lines of replacing the player and then coming up with a system of horrendous fines and bans. The, the, way that, the reason I can get on board with that as a concept is because there are very, both of the red cards in, uh, in, in this game are very, very um, representative of most red cards. In fact, almost all red cards, which is its, it's incompetence and its um, accidental negligence not anything. Remember, let's just remember where we've come from when yeah. red cards used to mean gouging, punching, stamp, yeah. stamping, like deliberate actions done with malintent to start with. When it's done accidentally, but it's stupid, I actually wouldn't mind what you're saying if it's, you're, sorry, you've got to be removed from the field. Maybe it's even 15 minutes rather than 10 minutes, but then a player can replace. Yeah. I actually wouldn't be against that. Yeah. I, yeah, and also I wouldn't be against saying, well, we re- we can reform it for foul play, such as striking. Yeah, you, you, red card, straight red, no no replacement. Yeah, but for a technical red, yeah, as in shoulder to the face, um, or you know, with the things that we see where we think, oh Christ, that is those two cards this weekend were reds, hand da- hands down. There's no choice about it. Yeah, it might have been technical a debate reds. in years gone by, but I yeah. think everyone would go, or everyone except the Australian commentators. And, and <laughs> short, uh, how the New Zealand commentators, you mean? 
shortly followed by the Australian Yeah, right. Well, depending on who's about to get the red card. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yellow. Yeah, I reckon yellow. Yellow. So, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> there is one um, argument against replacements which I want to deal with because if we don't, you know, we'll come back to haunt us. And it's simply this, that you could manipulate the red card system to go and injure a player and then just get a replacement. And have 15 minutes off of a field? Would you really do that? Uh, no, is the answer. So I just wanted to run this scenario. Particularly when the malintent thing, if you said that doesn't mean you can't replace someone. To actually li- to actually physically go out to hurt someone without it looking like it's deliberate intent. Yeah. So uh, mm. so the idea would be you could run in, you could you know, clothesline someone just you know, 10 minutes into the second half when the front row is about to be replaced and then off, then, uh, uh, then off you go. Now, I want to make the argument why um, doing this would not make much sense at all. So imagine a situation where we are very nefarious. Pick a premiership fly half, any fly half. Danny Cipriani. Danny Cipriani, right. Danny Cipriani is a professional rugby player and he's in bloody good shape. He might not be the hardest man in the world compared to, I don't know, Mostart or Etzebeth, but he's a pretty tough. He's a pretty if, tough guy. If we walked up to him in the street and just pushed him, he wouldn't move. His core's that solid. Yeah, and then he'd you know, proceed to throw you around a bus stop or whatnot. Yeah. Okay. So um, you know, that's that, that's not going to happen. So now we've got to find a player who is willing to do Danny Cipriani harm. Now, what you can't do, particularly imagine if it's in an international match. I'm sure Jerome Kano could knock his head off, but then Jerome Kano is going to be banned for a year or um, a year or so. So you can't get a seasoned international. So is he? Is the idea that you would go into an international match with someone, some some idiots like me or you, just some guy that they pulled off the street trying to run at Danny, like Danny Cipriani to run to 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 draw a red card? Basically, absolutely not, so, absolutely not. So, but I, so I I could see that scenario where the stakes are high enough, though, as in it's a World Cup final. Owen Farrell's kicking stick, or whoever it is, yeah. it doesn't matter. Some, someone is kicking sticks. It's a terrible condition. Someone's kicking sticks from everywhere, slotting all the penalties over, take him out of the game. Take him out of the like, game. I, I can, I can see it. The stakes are high enough, and, and we've said it before. As soon as stakes get high enough, people will look for ways around it. But you could have J- Jerome Kano in his but, final international. Final, it's it's a very, but it's a very, very small window. If we're saying we it reformed is. it, and and you, you can replace a player if it's not a malicious. Um, a malicious uh, um, event. It's a very small window that you have to, th- like you are threading through an eye of a needle to convince a referee that there was no mal intent, yeah. but deliberately injuring someone. There, there is a scenario, granted, where you know Jerome Kano is on his final final game. He's suspiciously being called called up to the All Blacks from Toulouse <laughs> for one very suspicious mission with Owen Farrell. I mean, that would stick out a little bit like a you know when when the, when Tim Cocker's on the team sheet and Ireland are looking. Why is Tim Cocker on the team sheet and he's heading towards jo- uh, Johnny Sexton? I think at that point Ireland go no no no. We want to keep Tim on the field, not off the field. I mean, that's <laughs> that's exactly what we want to do. Yeah. So I just don't I don't see that. But also there could be a situation where uh, you know. Someone, someone's compromised in, in, in different way. There'll always be the extreme scenario where someone would be incentivized to, enough to do this. But I just don't think it's a real. It's, I, it's I love. Real, do you know what I love that you've you've created this hypothetical situation so that you could explain why it wouldn't happen. I, I got it on Twitter. <laughs> I, I got it on Twitter. Oh, I see. I got it on Twitter. That's, <laughs> the, yeah. The other thing, the other thing that I don't like about that um, 
because I'm, I'm absolutely fine with red cards. I've got no problem with them at all. But the other thing I don't like about that is you've then got that window to determine intent. So you've got that 15-minute window while that player's off the pitch to determine whether that was uh, intentional to her or was just reckless. Um, and that just, mm. that just seems yeah. like... I'd- I want to say too, is... too small a timescale to be deciding something of that sort. All right, well, so may, maybe going back to what JB said, if you were going to reform it, maybe it's a um, red card means you can't come back on the field, but you just raise the sanctions after the game if uh, give the adjudicators time to determine. So I actually think the NFL system of fines works really well because there's one thing rugby players love more than rugby money, and you start taking money off them. And you watch that. I mean, if the system of fines and bans would, would, would be really punitive, they would stop pretty quickly. And actually, to be fair to them, like, look at the two red cards that we saw this weekend. They weren't malicious. I know this is all about intent. These just look like guys wrong footed. I mean, if it was malicious, what is the prop on day? Uh, was, was it his debut with that prop? On debut? Um, no, it was, no, it was, it was, Har- it was uh, the. Lachlan Swinton. L- yeah, Lachlan Swinton. Big old boy. How? The, the New Zealand prop. No. Oh yeah, sorry, the... sorry. Lock and Swinton. No, the prop hits the winger who's on debut. Just take the little yes. pop, pop shield off the mic. Ah, there you go. Ah, that's all right. Sorry. Yeah. So if you're going to target someone, it's not going to be him. Um, yeah. So I just think that they they do have the message. You're not seeing idiots running around anymore. They're all professional. Very rarely are they. Very rarely do you get an Owen Farrell type thing on Charlie Atkinson. That kind of thing. Um, but yeah, you know, I'd be fine with him just getting replaced, and then we can all carry on playing the game. Question from Rob Sherrington uh, on Twitter at Rugby Podcast. He said it was a fantastic game between Australia and New Zealand. Uh, have any of the commentary team in the Southern Hemisphere, do you think, watched Northern Hemisphere rugby because they said, "quote Smith and Perinara are the best two nines in the world." Smith is definitely top two. They are the they are the best pair of nines. If that's what they meant, then I'd go with that. I can't think of a better pair. Dupont and Saran. Dupont and Saran are very good. Saran, yeah. Saran is not as good as Perinara. Uh, maybe he is. I don't know. They don't share they're time. Very, they're very different players. Yeah. Uh, Saran and uh, Perinara are about as uh, different as you can possibly get for nines at the moment. Yeah. They are either end of the spectrum. I mean, I think Webb and Davis are fantastic. I mean, I really think that they're great. Um, uh, ultimately, uh, Faf and whoever he wants to play with. Um, <laughs> Fafa and uh, Kobus Reinach. Yeah, very, very good. You have to. Um, yeah. Herschel Yanchis. I mean, for three nines, they are. To, to have Kobus Reinach yes. as the third choice nine yeah. is pretty impressive, actually. I mean, yeah. there's lots of good nines. Aaron Smith is probably the best nine in the world. DuPont and Fafa up there. We got, you know, and there's the, the, you could, don't forget Ben Young, Willie Hines. But yeah, <laughs> how, how can we? Wigglesworth <laughs> snapping at their heels. Uh, um, here's what I'd say the the best guy in the world is Smith and then there's about probably as many as 15 guys underneath who are all competing for number two so I, I think Smith for the, the period and, and Smith when we watched uh, Super Rugby Aotearoa as well he was unbelievable he saw just how good he was um, DuPont can't be far off and no. I, I think I think Smith and DuPont are one and two in the world and yeah. then everyone else is behind them. I just want to smugly point out, cause, uh, I was reminded of this uh, this week, that I I did tell you about DuPont when he was playing... I told you about DuPont. When he was playing for Cast... No, 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 because I... Carl went... Ferns called me and said, look at DuPont. Well, I, he, he, he was playing for Cast, uh, and I did. I was working on a game in 2016, and it was Leinster v Cast at the RDS, 
And Joe Alab was one of the coaches at Cast, and I used to play with Joe Alab, and uh, and he said to me, honestly, Tim, just watch the nine, mate. Well, watch if, the nine. If that is a true story, and I, and I, I, I and in, in my pre in my pre game interview, I specifically because Joe had had that chat with me, I specifically said, tell us about tell us about Antoine Dupont. He, he's off to Toulouse. Uh, yeah, it was. He went to Toulouse at the end of that season. So in that case, you do win because I heard about him. Or at Sale. So before Sale played Toulouse, I had a chat with a friend of the pod, and he said, "Watch out for this kid." You've already and said he, Carl Ferns. Oh again. yeah, didn't I? Ferns. So, uh, yeah, nineteen years old at the time. Absolutely dynamite. Yeah, he's incredible. So yeah, he's snapping at his heels. But yeah, you're right. Well, we're guilty of that as much as anything. Like, how many players that have looked really good for Australia have, have you never heard before? So. Most of them and New Zealand, for that matter. <laughs> yeah. Most of them, exactly. Um, just, just, just on the rugby, and I, I love TJ Perinara. I think he is absolute class. I think the All Blacks were missing a little bit of the sharp service and sharp thinking from um, Aaron Smith in this game. Yeah, I think there is a, there is a drop off, and, and Perinara, in terms of like the combative, physical number nines, he might be the best in the world at the moment at that side of the game. Do, do you think he, he plays a little bit like Nick, like Nick White? Who Te- Pe- Perinara? Yeah, no. So I think they do. Uh, in terms of, they're so aggressive and and mouthy. They're always in the middle of something. Oh. Like Nick White was getting thrown around like no one's business, but he puts himself in those situations. In terms of the mouth, um, yeah, they, they had a bit of it between the two of them. Yeah. In terms of the way they play, though, I mean, Perinara is a much bigger, stronger bloke than Nick White. Yeah. Perinara can back it up. Uh, he's got the the size and the strength to back it up a little bit more than Nick White can. Nick White can handle himself well. He he can handle being thrown around very much better than most other men. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, not that well when Ardi Savea is throwing him around. Oh my word! What did they give Ardi Savea before he came on the field? Ardi Savea was incredible. He's just hyped God. up from the hyped up from God. that special handshake he did in the gym. Did you see that video? No, I don't. Is it? It was well, it was awful. It is dreadful. How, <laughs> have you seen it, Phil? I have seen it. I've how, seen the uh, how do you describe the All Blacks training session? How do week. you describe that handshake? It's so they're in the gym, and it's Ardi Savea, and I, I didn't clock who was it, it was with. Is it Moonga? Yeah, I think it was Moonga. Moonga and Ardi Savea walk past each other. Jump so they walk past each other, so they're now back to back. No, and they jump backwards and bump backs, or, or it's as if they no, 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 they walk backwards towards each other, so they bump into each other, turn round, do a fake, like, huh, and then start a big handshake thing. It's it's really it's quite uh, cringeworthy, uh, made, made me feel really old. Uh, <laughs> it was, it would have been cool if. If I was eight years old in the early 90s and that was on some like if, Saturday morning American Fer- TV. Saved by Ferris, the Bell. Ferris Bueller did it. Ferris Bueller, save, yeah, yeah, Zach, yeah, Zach Morris yeah. in Saved by the Bell. Exactly. If I was eight years old and I was watching Saved by the Bell and someone did that, I'd be like, <laughs> Him and oh AC my God, Slater. That is amazing. <laughs> These are grown men. <laughs> in the gym. <laughs> uh, now, um, anything else you want to say about this game? Because we've not really covered it at all. Really entertaining game, fair play game. Australia. I, I think going back to the New Zealand, I haven't had much experience. And obviously, as Phil pointed out from the All or Nothing documentary, they do not train for playing with 14 men. Maybe it's something they should look at. They were just dragged into being really loose. They played right into Australia's hands. I thought it was really quite naive from them. Yeah, Australia started the game not looking particularly good, throwing balls mm. into touch, 
hands like feet. I just really, really yeah. poor stuff. Just New Zealand just started throwing fifty-fifty balls and stuff. And uh, oh, no, as, well, after the red card, they yeah, after the red yeah. card, they they just went really loose for some reason, which I think is what Australia wanted them to do. But fair play, Australia. Yeah, yeah, and I, good game. I'll tell you the guy, the guy who I thought made the biggest difference, who, who came on for Australia and turned the game in Australia's favour. Was Taniela two? Uh, Tongan oh, Tongan That's a great point. Yes, I wanted to because uh, I wanted to raise he, that. He, his scrummaging as soon as he came on, the Australian scrum just looked incredible, and then his carrying. He, and, he was so devastating. Do you know what? Uh, yeah, I completely agree with that. Uh, do you know what he is? He's a great foil for Michael Hooper because Michael Hooper has got the ability to carry throughout the game, eighty minutes, always carrying. But then when you got um, say his name again, please, Taniela Tupu, him Tongan Thor. Tongan Thor, I'll go with. Uh, when you've got him, um, he always gets over the gain line. And once you're over the gain line, everything becomes easier. He is the secret source that you need after 60 minutes. He, he's he's so perfect for carrying and scrummaging as well. Yeah. Because uh, he's... I'm just going to look up his height and weight. I've got it in my head that he's 5'10 and 135kg. Yeah, you, yeah, 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 he's like, about... Like a cube. Yeah, he is a cube. So someone mentioned this to me. On Saturday, I was like, no, he must be 6'2 or something. He must be no. bigger than that. Because I knew his weight, but I didn't know he was like as thick set. He's squat. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've, I've got him in two places here. One says he's 5'9, one says he's 5'10, uh, and one says 132 kg, and the other says 135. Love it. But he, he is just, he's a cube. He, he's such a low center of gravity, such wide, powerful hips, a big, powerful rump. He's such a good player. Yeah, I love it. Love it. Well done, Australia. Well done, Australia. Yeah, mass- massively. Well done. Because, I mean, the previous game, it did not look like they were going to win, well, anything. And they've, they've actually come out of this series with a, a bit of credit. Well, I wouldn't go too far. Yeah, a little, they, they, drew, uh, they drew the first game. Yeah, they did, actually. Then they lost two, and then they won. Yeah, fine. Yeah, a little, so, so for a new coach coming involved, playing four games against the All Blacks, imagine I mean, that's that's as good as you can hope for, really. Four games with three different tens. Two tens don't really play don't really play the position, and one was on debut and is 12. Yeah. Not A12, age 12. <laughs> yeah, well done, Australia. Yeah, fair play, well done. Um... Now, you mentioned the gym handshake yeah. Uh, before. I have got a question for you two before we get on to some more serious rugby. Uh, over at Talk H, before the lockdown, we were building our own gym. right? So and, our, you were, and you were developing your own special handshake? Uh, no, we weren't. No, okay. So <laughs> we, we've, we, we have some ideas for our gym. Instead of just making it a normal gym, we decided to go for like a bit of an 80s theme. Can anyone think of anything 80s to put in, like, an old-school bodybuilding gym? And the reason we came up with this is because all the plates have been donated. So we've got all the other mix-and-match plates. So we're thinking... Yeah. Well, so you mean you mean de- decor? You don't mean other equipment or anything? Equipment and decor. Decor in particular. So, you know, we're, we're desperately looking for um, old Pamela Anderson um, calendars. <laughs> like from the, I mean, a 90s gym will be fine. Yeah, um, I think I think you need a rule that um, headbands and leg warmers must be worn at all times. Well, it is cold. Lo- lots of lycra as well. Uh, a yellow sharp spin is that is, is that eighties bodybuilder? Yeah, 
Yeah. Uh, yellow sharps pin. <laughs> Not to use, just just just, just the prop. You, you you understand? There was one little in the eighties that that neon was a was a big thing in the eighties, but so was like there was a period where quite manly, um, like black and white angular lines and stuff was was very fashionable Ooh. and things like that and different colors so I, I don't know about wallpaper maybe get some old <laughs> no 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 maybe maybe yeah just get wall <laughs> do wallpaper on it but that's cool or may but maybe get um like picture you know look photos of old hulk hogan and macho man randy savage and you stuff know what like that. just old 80s bodybuilders everywhere be yeah great. that's a really great homo idea. really homo really homo yes I, yeah. I, I like that and then what else should you have you definitely need a, a chalk um, tub. Oh yeah, like on a stand, on a stand, yeah. like like the weightlifters have. Chalk. Yeah, but everything needs to be coated in chalk. Yeah, the, bars, the, the but, walls, the floors, and maybe we do it like because uh, obviously it's going to be a prop. We just do it with the paintbrush before, like you know, just uh, like dry brush it before we go in. Have a little uh, roller disco somewhere in the gym. <laughs> yeah. We, uh, we need some... Oh, sound system. There must be an old 80s sound system that we can pick up somewhere. We can only play tapes. Oh, uh, yes. That uh, would be class. I a think it's me- I think get a good... Around. Yeah, I, I was going to say a beatbox you can carry on your shoulder. But uh, no, have a, have a modern sound system hidden, but just with proper 80s tunes on. No. An old sound system, which only takes cassettes. Because we, we actually, we have no Wi-Fi in there. No 4G. So Spotify is out the question. At very best, we're getting CDs. The very best. Mm. So you may as well go, go all the way to tapes or mini discs. Mind you, that's it. That, that's 2000s. You're, you also need to get some old school uh, weightlifting gloves. You know, the ones with ah, like yes. a leather, leather palm and the netting on the back. Yes. yes. String back weightlifting yeah, gloves. Back gloves. Yeah. Well, if, if anyone can think of any 80s props to put in our uh, M- gym. Mandatory sweat and headbands. Yeah, that has to happen. Like t- Tok H branded uh, headbands and sweatbands. Maybe we'll give them out for minimum amount of minimum amount of appearances. So if you get twenty five appearances in your first season, you get a sweatband. Fifty appearances, uh, you know, little little, little warmers, and then hundred appearances. I've got no idea. Or gym thong. Or because then, but then there's going to be a lot of people in the gym in an eighties gym not wearing a headband. Whereas I think that should be mandatory. No, you're not However, allowed in the gym unless you've got twenty five no, no, no. appearances. You're not allowed in. No, here you do. You do it like no, it... you do it like belts in karate. Oh. When you make your debut, you get a white headband. But then when you get your appearances, you get different colour headbands. So there's a bit ah, of... Ah, I like it. So one of my thoughts originally was that we should have um, straw, uh, like like little straw boat, like, like boater hat type, type things. And as you get more senior in the team, more appearances, you get different colour ribbons. And that's exactly what I was thinking. It's very good, that, Tim. Mm. Or more piping on your blazer. Mm. Mm, delicious. So yeah, I like that, and uh, I like uh, there are senior clubs that do that. Um, Exeter Chiefs, they above your your, oh, yes, your name in this. your name in the dressing room. You get it in different colours when you get to certain appearance levels. Yes, I have seen it. Um, Gareth Stevenson's gold. He's or gold. One, yeah, he? that's really cool. Yeah, that's really cool. Mm. Right. Well, that, that that that's my trivial question. Um, should we talk about some rugby news? Yeah, what's going on? Well, Wales have sacked their defence coach just before they have to play some games. That happened. That's a real thing that happened. Yeah, talk to me yeah, about this. That's that's an interesting one. Well, uh, 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 
Byron, was it, is it Byron Haywood? I've, I've, yeah. I've got the name right. Yeah, Byron Haywood. I feel sorry for this guy because I don't think there was a good solution. See, the guy, he was the guy that was a sale a few years ago. Got no idea. I think he was. Was he? I think maybe him and Kingsley Jones might have oh, p- been quite, there together. Quite possible. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. Quite possible. Um, okay. So I, I don't think the guy was in a particularly good situation at, um, anyway. You're part of a new coaching team. Um, I've said multiple times I think Wayne Pivak is a marvellous coach but he's a good club coach and he plays in a certain way and he's taking over a, a, basically a poison chalice from Warren Gatland who is one of the world's greatest ever coaches and Sean Edwards who might be one of the world's greatest ever defence coaches so you're really, you're really up against it Pivak wants to play in a certain way and if, if Hayward's defence doesn't fit he he's going to have a problem, and they're not going to fire Pip. They're not going to fire Pivak as their first as their first option. Does it feel like a human shield? Um, it hasn't. This won't have come from Wayne Piv- Pivak. Pivak. It? it won't have come from him. He's not going like, oh, I'm under a bit of pressure here. Uh, there you go. Have that. Have that bit of meat. Take this human sacrifice. Look over there. <laughs> yeah. like, d- dead cat on the table. It doesn't sound. It doesn't sound good. To be fair, um, well, the guy needs Pivak needs more time. The Welsh public need to understand that the team that he has is nowhere near as good as Gatland made them look. And uh, you know, and by the way, if you don't believe me on this, just go through the names of the players that left Wales, went to play overseas, and you tell me which ones are the most important guys in their team. You might say Jonathan Davis is world class, and outside of that, who really uh, shone at Toulon, or in Paris, or in Bath, or in Harlequins? I know that's the same player. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, Actually, you know, Chartres didn't do that well over in uh, uh, over in France, and they have had loads of players leave. Uh, Harpenny returned. Williams, uh, Liam Williams would be the exception. Liam Williams did very, very well at Saracens, but you would well, really—he he, didn't—he mm, didn't really play for, that much. Yeah, he was there for about eighteen months, wasn't but he? But when he did, he, he was, was in, good. Yeah, when he did, when he played, he's great. But he was injured yeah. most of the time. I wouldn't. I don't think Saracens will be looking back on his spell. Particularly fondly because they didn't really see him that much. Uh, I don't know. I thought I thought he did well, but you know that was comparative uh, to all the other players that have come come from Wales to England, and they don't seem to settle too well. I mean, that's the long and short of it. But you know, probably one of the more successful stints in English rugby from a Welsh player would be the prop that went to Bath. What's his name? Paul. Paul Jones. Paul James. Paul James. Thomas Young. Paul. Yeah, Thomas. But Thomas Young was. I don't. Has he had a Welsh cap yet? Yeah, so, yeah, he, he's never been a real part of it. No, um, R- ridiculous, he, he ridiculously. Yeah, Paul, yeah Tom, Thomas Paul. Youngs was like he, he certainly came to prominence in my mind at Wasps, um, rather than coming to prominence in Wales and yes. then leaving for that's true another club. Even Falatau, who's superb. I mean, you can't argue with Falatau. He's superb. He's not. Do you think he's worth the money that Bath paid for him? No. So, no, you know, oh, well, he, if, if fit, then yes, but no, he, he hasn't been worth the money that Bath have paid. Wales is player of the tournament for Six Nations about, oh, it must be eight years ago now, but widely regarded, certainly by one rugby journalist as the best back row ever to play the game, Dan Lydiot did nothing when he um, when he left Wales. Mike Phillips got fired and then ended up, in, ended up on the scrap heap and sale. So, you know, it goes on. And, uh, Dw- Dwayne Peel, Dwayne Peel was... A lion comes over, sale does okay. Kind of went out with a, you know, this, what, didn't go out with the bang that he hoped. Mm. 
So this yeah. is my point. The, the the players that Gatland had, Gatland made them look brilliant. And now you've got Wayne, uh, Wayne well, trying to take over. The other potential, hard. the other yes, I think you're right. The other potential uh, consequence you could take out of that is these Welsh boys need to just get out a little bit more. Yes. <laughs> Be comfortable outside of the valley. I, I, there's something to that. There is something to, to that. I mean, if you aspire to play for Wales, as you should growing up in Wales, and you finally do play for Wales, there's not that much more to push you onwards, is there? Mm. Yeah, and look, by the way, think, think of this too. When was the last time that a Welsh team did really well in the European Cup? Lethley, under Pivock? Mm. Scarlett's and un, un, under Pivock? So they've got the right guy. I know that they've got the right guy. Yeah. But they just, you know, the Welsh public needs to get on board with the fact they don't have it's as good, good a playing pool as yeah, they think. It's going to be a grind for a little while. Uh, let, let's flip to England and let me ask you, Eddie Jones has hinted that he's going to play his strongest team against Georgia. Hmm. If it, uh, And broadly speaking, I agree with that for the reasons I've mentioned before. Win the next game, build momentum, all the rest of it. I do think he will introduce a few players, but I don't want to do what some people are saying. Get all the youngsters in. Get all the kids in. I've get said all it a million kids times in. before. Get like, them in. Maybe get, so if we were going to pick three... Kids. Youngsters or new faces uh, that, that you'd introduce to in, in this Georgia game, who would they be for you? So you're saying don't get the kids in, but if you were to get the kids in, no, which no. kids would you pick? If you were to pick, <laughs> uh, that's why I've, I've said three rather than going just pick a three. A three brand. kids is a, is a lot of kids to play in an international game of rugby. No, not, not, not kids, but it's, nine, I'm going to pick nine, ten, and twelve. Like if you if you took the team that played the last weekend yeah. and just changed three people that you want to have a look at in international rugby I think that's what Eddie Fair Jones enough. will do and I think that that's a smart way to play it rather than for the reason that, that you've mentioned before we've talked about uh, Leicester last season mm. and how the youngsters when they were all played together would have got absolutely nothing out of it no they wouldn't you're right I think you, you'll see whether Don Brandt for example can make it as an international player if you see him around international players sorry in to, an international game sorry to be pedantic but do you mean Young players or players just not in the fold? Players not in the fold, new faces. Okay. So Don Brandt, Don Brandt, straight off the bat, I hope he starts number eight. And I can pick whoever I want. Yeah. Whoever I want. Yeah, I'll, all right, so I'll start with my three. I would I would have Don Brandt at eight. I would have, I would take this opportunity to have, well, it would have been Joe Simmons for me, but Jacob Umanga, since he's there, at ten. I think it's a, a good move to do that. And I might keep everything else the same in the back row. And, and Ollie Lawrence, those three Ooh, would, would be my three. There you go. Okay, um, I would go with Simmons. I think Simmons really deserves a crack, and I don't think he'll be overawed by it. And I don't. I think once he's got the shirt on, it's going to be very difficult to get him out the shirts. You know that that's a that's a real Brett Favre situation for uh, Owen Farrell, which is keep your shirt on at all time. Do not let anyone else play that position until you're ready to leave, because if Simmons gets in, he could have a real problem. That's number one. Number two. This is a bit of an unusual one, but I have a feeling that Cam Redpath has done enough at Bath to warrant a further look. Come on. No, I do feel that because... He looked good in a a few games at the end of the season and he looked promising, but come on. Sorry, I should have said Jack Willis before. I think Jack Willis... Obviously Jack Willis. Yeah, he's near. My God, he's got to be started again. This is a game for Jack Willis. Anyway, sorry. Who would you get rid of, Tim? Uh, So I I would change Jack Willis for this game for... Sam Underhill, I'd put Curry at seven, Don Brandt at eight, and that. And if that, if I had to sacrifice another player, I'd I'd leave Umanga off. If I only had three, I'd go Willis, Don Brandt, uh, Lawrence. Mm. So I I would I would go Willis. I'd I'd put Willis at at six, move Curry across. Um, 
I'd probably keep Billy at eight. Although he, Billy's just had his first child, hasn't he? So he was out of the squad yes. for a few days. I don't know if he's he's going to be back in for this weekend. So you might you might see Dombers at uh, number eight. Yeah, uh, and well, who I've got I've got one more. So yeah, the reason I say Cam Redpath is just because he's such a smooth operator at twelve. I think he's finding his feet there a bit now, and I think he could answer a lot of. In- a lot of England's questions there. Yeah, we've been talking about the 12 spot. There's definitely a, 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 something open for a player longer term to be a 12 for England, for sure. And the last one. I don't want to say this name because it just feels like I'm... Um, Sam James. Well, he is one of the best players in the <laughs> Is that who you're saying? Sam, Luke, Luke, Sam, actually, yes, Sam James. Luke James. Luke James, uh, Luke James is superb, too. Uh, I think Luke James will probably get the nod before Sam, though, which is a shame. Yeah, probably Sam James. I'm, I might go back on what I was going to say. I want to see Max Mallins as well. Max Mallins is a good Max shout. Max Mallins is not a bad shout. At fullback. Because Furbank, as much as I like him, and I do think he's a good all-round operator, we've seen him for a number of tests now, and he's not he's not lived up to the, uh, the potential. And equally, he's not doing much for Northampton at the moment. No. So but, I'd, I'd, I'd go for Mallins at 15. Yeah, I could get on board with that. Shall we, just, shall we all just agree on three then? So we are saying that it's going to be... No, hang on. So we all agree it's Ed Slater, Jamal Ford Robinson, Carl Ferns. Correct. Correct? Perfect. Yeah. Okay. Agreed. Perfect. Agreed. Uh, what about Mark Atkinson? Uh, oh, oh yes. Mark Atkinson's got it. And Tom Brady. How do we get Tom? What other, what other good friends of the pod are there? <laughs> That's it. Done. We've got no more. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, what I do like is the principle, and, and Eddie Jones even mentioned this in an interview this week. He said, uh, in the past, they've given out caps too easily, and he doesn't want to do that. I really like that, know- that he's reinstating that it really means something. When you get that cap on your on your head, like Ted Hill got a cap, like he's great, great prospect, great player. I think if Eddie Jones was being honest, that if he was giving examples, I think Ted Hill getting a cap for England would have been one of the examples he used. It was given away too cheaply and it needs to mean more. And I like that he's making that the case. It's so difficult because one of the things I think... I, I, by the way, I 100% agree with your principle there, which is a cap should be hard to get. And I actually do think Eddie does a really good job of making them rare and valuable. Yeah. Um, which is weird, really, because that's what Stuart Lancaster wanted to do, but he never really did it. Like he, he, you know, everyone will be writing on their shirt and, uh, you know, sending smoke signals home to their mother to tell them that they've been picked. <laughs> but it, it wasn't valuable in the way that uh, Eddie Jones was. Uh, that said, one of the things which Eddie Jones is famously good for is identifying young talent early and giving them a shot. Matt Gitto, uh, do you know what I say that? Um, he's never even played a game game for England. Marcus Smith, I always assume he has, but he hasn't. I thought you were going to say Matt Gitto never even played a game for England, which, no, is, Matt... which is, of course, correct. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So he's a, he's a failure. Yeah, failure, Matt, uh, Matt Gitto. Yeah. <laughs> Matt Gitto, I mean, there are a load, of exa- um, a load of examples of Eddie giving young guys who just fit his system a cap. Uh, Joe Cock and a singer. I don't think Joe Cock and a singer deserved a cap in a million years. That but, might be another example. But Eddie, but Eddie loves him and he keeps calling him up, so maybe he does. Mm. Uh, I tell you what, he got it bang on with... Um, McConaughey though, bang on. And if you look yeah. at McConaughey at the end of the season, you understand exactly why he's in well, the squad. We didn't mention him before when we were going through the emissions from the England squad. We never mentioned Rory McConaughey. Yeah, he's probably if you take form alone, he's probably the the most unlucky not to be in the England squad. Yeah, and yeah, it's weird when he didn't have much. I mean, he always had some form because he was bloody good. He gets in the England squad, and now he's really bloody good, like really, really good, and it's not good enough. So. 
Yeah, Eddie moves in mysterious ways. But those the back three or certainly the wing spots, the, the 15 has got a bit of work to do on it, but the, the wing spots are so competitive yeah, for England. The, the, the talent that you've got in there, I mean, what Watson and May, who are the starting boys, incumbents in the shirt, are unbelievable. And then behind them, guys like Noel, like Thokkanasinga, like um, McConaughey, like Ollie Thorley, who was on the bench last week. Ollie Thorley is <sighs> not bad. He's not bad, is he? There's so much talent there. It's, it's always going to be hard to break into those spots. And then Elliot Daly, if he's not playing on the wing, uh, sorry, if he's not playing fullback or 13, is a fairly handy uh, international winger, Lions mm. winger, in fact. Yes, he's not bad, is he? <laughs> uh, so then you have to ask the question, why don't England have an out-and-out 15 who they can just call up and be that guy? You'd have thought there'd be one somewhere. Well, the, the problem is the two who have been in that position for most of the last 10 years, which is good and Brown. And it was Brown for most of the last 10 years, but good forced Brown onto the wing a number of occasions for um, under Lancaster. Both of those are past it. And the, the next guy's not been there. That's been the problem. Hasn't it? They've flirted with daily who I don't think is Agreed. I don't think he's a great all round player, but you're fitting a square peg in a round hole with putting him to 15. Yeah, completely um, agree. Watson's injured for this weekend, so we we might see Malins there potentially, or at least on the bench, he might get an appearance off the off the bench. So, is, is Malins in the squad then? Yeah. Well, he he did get called up, didn't he? Yeah. God, it, it's hard to keep track of the squad. Yeah. Yeah. So Malins called up. Oh, maybe a start for Ollie Thorley. That'd be good. That would be good. Well, but then we get into the point where I'm going, I'm going against myself and going, I want Malins to start, I want Thorley to start, I want Lawrence yeah. to start, I want Umaga to start, I want uh, Don Brands in. to start, Willis. Chuck all the kids in, play all the kids. Get the kids in. <laughs> so I, I, I would go Willis at six, move Curry to seven and Underhill on the bench. I'd go Thorley just because I love him. And if Watson's out, um, that's fine, that's easy. And then Malins at 15. Malins has been. Far better, actually, um, in terms of form in the Premiership this season, uh, certainly towards the end, than, than Furbank. Yeah, so, I think yeah there's, there's my three. I think that's a fair shout. Before we get into previewing the rest of the Autumn series, I'll oh, quick mention for Billy Burns getting into the Ireland squad. Good lad. Yes, Billy. Good, lad. Good to see. Lovely. Yeah. And, and a great fact was uh, tweeted to us again. I'm sorry I haven't done my research and I can't give you credit, but you know who you are. Thank you for it. If Billy Burns makes his gets a debut for for Ireland, then... The three Burns brothers, one will have played for England, one will have played for Ireland, one will have played for Cyprus. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, that is brilliant. Wow. Have I told you about playing rugby in Cyprus? So you you have, but I remember me and you being in Cyprus and trying to get a training session or a game or something. Yeah, it didn't but, happen, did it? No, we were asking around. We went to a rugby pub, rugby bar. Yeah, they were, were asking not, around. They weren't training. Going on. So, do you know some people say, oh, yeah, standard of living, uh, quality of life, that's the one. Quality of life, go overseas, live quality of life. And yeah, whatever. Um, yeah, I do strongly believe if your life is broken over here, moving over to Cyprus isn't going to help it. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so, slight, slight tangent. Slight tangent. Slight tangent. <laughs> so, I was on holiday in Cyprus and I went to a bar, and I can't remember what, what it is, but that is the rugby bar, and it's opposite the beach in Limassol. I trained with Limassol Crusaders, and it was one of the best training sessions I, I have ever had. Playing touch rugby in soft in soft sand, um, some guy showed up, an, an Argentine guy. Um, he must be close to fifty, absolutely shredded, with pink nails and long hair. I'm like, who is this guy? <laughs> Absolute lunatic. Um, 
There was another guy there who was about, he, he's like a tanned Greek god, about six foot four, and it was the last session before he headed over to Claremont. Uh, yeah, you know, the, there was a right, right range of people. You're, there. you're making it sound like the volleyball scene in Top Gun. <laughs> it was better. <laughs> and then after you finish playing uh, touch, everyone just dives in the sea, cleans off, and back hundred yards into the bar, and that's it, done. A few beers, yeah. And the coach there was was at pains to tell me that he was friends with Andy, big friends with Andy Titterall, but I can't remember his name now. Very very nice guy. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Um, mm. Just one, a couple of things I've noticed. Um, we'll get into the preview of the Autumn Nations Cup in a second. Uh, it's been great this week watching all of the players copy and paste their official lion's kit tweet oh yeah they, they these play right so when you take when you take the your corporate money players or anyone just just change it ever so slightly because all of them have written the exact same words here's well, sam warburton's written the same as everyone else it's an amazing fit and it just makes it sound robotic when you read them all one after the other it's an amazing feeling to put on the lion's official jersey the new jersey is finally out and now you can become a lion too with vodafone uk how stop stop <laughs> we've got to be nice to vodafone uk no 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 there's nothing it's brilliant <laughs> the, the new app is out now the get gr- involved the great app the great app who provided us who provided this podcast with sir ian mcgeekin early on quite right quite right no it's fun, fun it's to, it, i've I'm going to download the app. Uh, don't you worry about that. I'm going to make myself in, self into a lion. Yes, exactly. Make myself exactly with, but with just, the latest gaming technology. It's just when you see it all, is an honour to be a lion. When you see all <laughs> the players one after the other, just it's the exact same words. Like they've just been sent it. Can you put? Oh, guys. Yeah, I can imagine. I, do you reckon that uh, with the England players, if they don't already? It wouldn't surprise me if someone does their tweeting for them, like just some guy, someone in England just tweets, tweeting away. Yeah, or, or at least forwards them. This is Elliot, Anthony, this is what you're tweeting today. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. I mean, I like my personal Twitter. I like to argue with people online. Right, so that's why I like no. having it. Yeah, 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 true. True story. Um, <laughs> usually with sub, with substandard writers from uh, Wales Online. Anyway, I wouldn't want anyone going on my Twitter. But I could see if it's just a burden and, you know, someone like Mario Toji, who is paying off, what, um, 80% of his commercial rights to Nigel Ray anyway, just give someone else your Twitter. 
it's it's just the point it doesn't seem authentic so people aren't going to go oh i'll I'll retweet that and stuff you can just smell you can smell bs a mile off basically you you can that's the problem not 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 like vodafone's um podcast with sir ian mcgeekin this week that was very good and it's in our feed and jb i thought you did a great job mate oh thank you tim did you listen to it phil I've not had a chance yet. Unbelievable. It's good, Phil. It's, I, I, like, I particularly liked it when you hear Surrey and McGeekin, legend of the game, you know, Lions hero, Scotland international, Lion himself as a player. Uh, we, we, hearing him talking about like grassroots amateur stuff, I love loved it. It's this great. is amazing. It's great. It? It's really, really good. When you think, I will, oh, give, I will give that a listen in, in the Egg Chasers feed. You say in the Egg Chasers feed that, and hey, we may well have another special podcast coming your way this week. So uh, hit subscribe on the feed would be the advice. Yeah, it'd be amazing if we got I don't know Rob Baxter or someone, someone, someone of that ilk. <laughs> it would be really, could, really good. If we could land Rob Baxter, no, I mean, it won't happen. That would be huge. Won't happen, mate. But a little happen. podcast like us, it will never happen. Don't no, we? no, it don't, won't. It won't be Rob Baxter on Wednesday. Don't even think about it because it because it won't happen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, fantasy rugby draft let's talk about this quickly because i'm just going to put my let me just put my championship winning ring on again so if you're not aware you've heard us talk about this by the way we're very honest with you when we are um getting any sponsorship we're getting no money for this no but we should do we, we really should we Fant- should take a stake in it really yeah fantasy rugby draft we've probably given them a, a fair bit of trade in fact we have given them a fair bit of trade and good good on them because they've uh, they've got a great product so no we're getting no money for this you know having just talked about corporate we stuff. should we shouldn't talk about it <laughs> I'm going to talk about it because I love it. I've put my championship winning ring on. So you've heard us talk about this a lot. Fantasy Rugby Draft uh, has Premiership League, uh, Premiership Fantasy Competition, which starts, of course, in two weeks when the Premiership returns. This is something you can play in leagues with nine of your friends or people from your club, work colleagues, whatever, ten people. If that's a bit of a challenge to get together... And understandably, is I'm not sure I'd be able to get together uh, nine more people for for another league. So, if that is the case, we have egg chasers leagues, and fa- the guys at Fantasy Rugby Draft have opened up a brand new league. Oh, have they? Yes. Lads. So we're, we're up to ten ten leagues. Are now. we? Yeah. And there's more opening up with every people that get involved. So we've got we've got hundred people right now who are signed up, ready to draft for the new season in two weeks. If you fancy it, it's brilliant. And what's different between this and the normal fantasy football for example it's a draft system which means not everyone can just go and sign the best player not everyone can have Jack Willis only one person can have Jack Willis that was me by the way I won the league <laughs> partly thanks to Jack Willis um, and, and you do that in a draft system which means you can trade with players the, the WhatsApp group is fierce and is fierce. and everyone is by their computer on a Friday lunchtime at midday when the teams get announced and everyone's frantically trading players it's so much fun so uh, get involved. It's fantasy rugby draft. I get my first martini at eleven fifty nine <laughs> on my desk, and then trading begins. I've rearranged my whole working week, and uh, so that I'm no longer in a meeting at twelve o'clock on a Friday, just purely for fantasy rugby draft. Yeah, uh, yeah. And then every five minutes after that, someone delivers me a, 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 another uh, another alcoholic beverage until all the trades are done. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So uh, yeah, fantasyrugbydraft.com If you you and ten uh, you and nine mates want to create your own league, if you if you can't do that, then get to our Twitter account. Even if you're not on Twitter, it's just uh, go to the URL. They go to the website twitter.com forward slash rugby podcast, and there will be a little link that we've retweeted from Fantasy Rugby Draft themselves, where you can join other Egg Chasers listeners, create a league, and work your way. And they will re- what they do after each season is they'll move you up. If you win your league, they'll move you up to the league above. 
etc. Mm. So. Uh, yeah, and congratulations to Jonathan Cook, who won the Premier League of the Egg Chasers, the 10 Egg Chasers Leagues last year. Mm, congratulations so well, indeed. Well done, Jonathan. Uh, so there's some, uh, there was some other rugby which was available to watch this weekend, kind of. What was that? Uh, rugby League? No, um, Newcastle played Ealing. But Oh, oh yeah. That's right. Or, or not available. Yeah, that's a real shame. So I'm just going to give him a shout out because fair play. Uh, you know, the two clubs tried to put on a show. They tried to get it streaming. It didn't work. Tim will tell you, putting these things on is fero- ferociously hard. You think it's simple. It, it isn't. No. Which is a real shame because I was looking forward to watching that. And uh, I'm sure lots of other people were. But we'll have plenty, plenty more time to see both Ealing and Newcastle again. Correct. And- and it was interesting. I, I, I didn't get to watch any of the game, but I saw the result, which was a resounding thirty-eight uh, seventeen win for Ealing. Correct. Are they and a good team? Is, so this is the Newcastle team who will be going up, or who are in the Premiership as of in two weeks' time, and an Ealing team who potentially, if the Championship is allowed to to kick off, will be competing with Saracens. Premier, uh, promotion to the Premiership next season. Or yeah. has been touted because half of the Championship sides have said basically, and we mentioned this on a podcast a couple of weeks ago, that there was a couple of sides in the Championship. I think it could be as many as six now have said if there is no crowds, we don't want to play the league because they can't afford to pay people right, you know. to be to be in the club. So, that, so that is their revenue. I think there may be a, some kind of bailout coming potentially, which might change the, know, though, the picture as a taxpayer. Yeah. And a rugby player, yeah. right? Do I want my taxes in such difficult times to be going to bailing out a rugby club to pay part-time players? No, not even slightly. I, I get really annoyed by this. I think if you want to bail out a club so they can you know, look after their pitch and their change rooms, that's one thing. But then I always also think I know what can be achieved by volunteers when it comes to looking after your change rooms and your club and your, and your pitch. So if you can't organise your volunteers... Maybe you need a bit of a, a, I, I, a bit of a grant, but not to pay your bloody players. I do broadly agree with that. Although I would say, if you and I'm not going to get into it, but if you read the uh, papers, newspapers today, uh, there's quite a lot of money being spent, um, being chucked around. Quite a lot of our taxpayer money being just spread around to uh, liberally, very liberally, very, yeah, with very little. Um, you know, very little thought about what it's going to do to the future, and I completely agree. But it doesn't mean that we should do the same. Yeah. And yeah, I think if you can, if you can look after your club, go down and look after your club. I don't yeah. like the idea of money for nothing. So if a championship isn't played because there's no clubs and therefore the players can't fund the payroll of the players, etc. Those clubs can't fund the players, etc. One thing that has been touted is potentially that Saracens go straight back up. They already have their <laughs> that'll pre- teach them. They already have their Premiership <laughs> uh, credit. Uh, uh, their share in Premiership Rugby, their, <laughs> yeah. whatever they call them, the yeah yeah yeah. The, do you remember because yes. Leeds can't eat the shares. That's it. Thank P- you. P- PLL for their stake. There's, yeah, they're staking it, and that there's a thought that Ealing Trailfinders, if they were prepared to buy their way in, could be given shares. Fifty million pounds is the potential cost at, in, in an expanded fourteen-team Premiership next season. Well, I mean, I hope so. I hope so. And the reason I hope so is um, if you you, know, you you need to follow. I don't mind saying, I, I don't mind giving the guy a plug, but you know, if you follow a guy on Twitter called Alex Short and you followed his career career throughout and you see how much effort they've they've put in building this thing, and then it's it's not it's not fly by night. It is legitimate. Whether it's a big enough club to to sustain it, I don't know. But there again, you probably say was it was Exeter a big enough club? Yes. 
you know. So good luck to them. Well, and if they yes. can afford it, buy buy the shares and go for it. Yes, yes. Exeter were it's slightly different. Exeter have um, had thousands of people going to watch them. Yes, I guess there's two ways to look at it, isn't there? Like it was Exeter a big enough club, and I think about the population around Exeter, but that doesn't really matter. What matters is who shows up to the game. And and Exeter have become a focal point for the whole of the southwest. As much as Cornwall could probably sustain a team. At a decent level itself. Where is Ealing? That's just outside London, is it not? It's West London. But, I mean, you know, London Irish is on that patch. Harlequins is on that patch. It's yeah. me- I'm not sure Ealing would get much of a crowd, but they've got some private money. Yeah, well, I mean, certainly in a place with lots of people. Yeah, yeah so if, true. If, you, if, if you build the right thing, maybe they'll come. Mm. Um, so watch, watch that one anyway. Anyway, Autumn, Autumn Nations Cup then. Well, what fixtures have we actually got? Um, this is creeping up on me. I'm not. Island Wales. Yeah, wow. Scotland. So, you, you, so you're in two pools, aren't you? Yeah. Yes. So there's the the England Georgia Island Wales pool, which those are the fixtures: which, Island Wales and England Georgia. Which of those two fixtures excites you? Uh, to be honest, Island Wales does. Island Wales, yeah. England, I'll be interested to see who they pick, but I think it'll be a forty, fifty point. But how, five. I will win. get into Island. Uh, yeah, I will get into. I'll I will get into Island Wales oh. when, when the day comes. But I, it doesn't feel right in. No, November. It, of course it doesn't. It, no, I you're right. You. But yeah, now, there on. is Italy-Scotland, which nobody cares about. <laughs> and yeah, that's fair. there is the free-flowing, loose-passing, offloading, probably world's most offloading team, who are playing Fiji on, uh, on Sunday. France play Fiji. Now, that could be exciting. Now, I'm interested. Yeah. That's good. That's it. Was it was that very fixture that first really excited me for? It was the first rugby match I've ever loved, and it was on a videotape. I've mentioned this before on the podcast, yeah. but it, I, my, we had to go into work on a Saturday. Me and my brother were with my mum, and she had to go into work on a Saturday. And she put us in the boardroom of the office she was working in, and we we went to Woolworths, and she bought us. 1987 Rugby World Cup video. That's amazing. And one of, one of the games in it, and it's on YouTube, and honestly, if you if you find yourself at a loose end, go and search Fiji v France 1987. It's the most amazing um, game of rugby. It's R- ridiculous. It's incredible to think back to being a child and remembering the array of VHS videos you could get. Oh, 101 Best Tries and another 101 Best Tries. I <laughs> watched like, those to death. You could literally buy every WrestleMania in Asda. Like every every one of them on VHS, like the 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 things that they put, you know, the things that you, that, that you could buy them were absolutely brilliant. I I seem to remember the last maybe it's a DVD. I'm sure the last cassette I got. Who was the com- comedian VHS I got? Who was the comedian from Stoke on Trent who used to do? They think it's all Nick Hancock. Nick Hancock's football bloopers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that's what Brian Moore and uh, Will Carling used to do, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Mick, the, Mick the Munch did his big hit video. Oh, Mick, Mick Skinner. Yes, that. They, 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 Gareth, Gareth Chilcott will have done one, and Gareth Chilcott definitely did one. Definitely did one. So yeah, nice. Uh, uh, that is the most exciting game. So it was Wales Island, the most exciting game to me. And, and Fiji definitely passed their COVID issues. Well, I don't know, maybe. I, I saw they had a few players who were isolating, so they might not have everyone that they want available. Um, but semi's would, fit again. Would obviously be a big shame. Where do Fiji play their home games? Uh, so they, they don't. It's same, same as Georgia. So Georgia are playing three away games. They play uh, in 
England, Ireland, and Wales. Ah, I see. Fiji play three away fixtures. So this really benefits teams, doesn't it, that want... Well, it just benefits the touring teams because you don't want to open any stadium when you've got no revenue. Uh, yeah, albeit they will be getting revenue from TV money. Yeah, yeah, but that's what I mean. You get the TV money, but you don't need the cost of the stadium. Yeah, but you also don't have a load of the cost of the of running the stadium, as in you don't have to hire hundreds of staff to uh, man the tickets. You don't have to hire police mm. or anything like that. I, I, I don't know. It, you've, you've got a proportion of the cost and a proportion of the revenue. I don't know which is uh, proportionally higher, higher. Um, so how this compares, I suspect it's considerably um, less profitable than a full international thing yes, for all these. Massively indeed, indeed Wales have moved their games to Parky Scarlets, haven't they? Like yeah. The Scotland game for the Six Nations was not at uh, the Millennium or Principality Stadium. I quite like that move. I think uh, yeah, that it comes with its own challenges. The wind, the conditions, the, uh, the, uh, the pitch. You, you can't close the roof, which I think Wales might have quite liked to have done last week. Um, but I do. It does make sense to have it in a smaller stadium. Much more sense. Yeah, it 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 does. You are right. I mean, England should go. I mean, they could just nip across the road to the stoop. It's perfectly capable of hold, of, of holding that game. Mm. Plenty of Maserati parking as well. Exactly. I mean, Correct. That, that, that's the important stuff. <laughs> Correct. Wonder what happens at the stoop when too many Maseratis show up. Do they? <laughs> Although wasn't there some one of the games last week? Was it the Scotland game? Had they had a hologram crowd? No. Where? What game was no. that? Did they? I watched the game. Oh, I... was this a was this Blade Runner? You're thinking of? <laughs> no, I, I I saw some hologram crowds in a little Did shot you? or something. <laughs> have Did you, I? Have you been have, on, I... have you been on the Will Greenwood mind altering party drug? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been out. You know, in lockdown, because it's only there's not much you can do. I've, I've I have been out collecting, you know, foraging mushrooms um, <laughs> in my spare time. Yeah. So if anyone knows where Tim saw the hologram crowd, just tweet us. I'm pretty sure I saw a hologram crowd. Was it a football game? I I think I would know if there's a hologram crowd. I don't think this would have escaped. Our I attention. saw a hologram crowd. I can't remember where. Phil, how was it? Did, I, you? did I dream a hologram <laughs> crowd? Help me out. I, I I just feel I would have I would have I'd have known about it. I'm going to type I'd in hologram. It's if I've if I have watched um, a game with a hologram crowd, it, it has not registered in the slightest with me, and it it does strike me as something that might register. Hang on, interest. was it Australia New Zealand on on Saturday morning? Because that that was a real crowd. Well, unless it's a very realistic hologram. Uh, well, conspiracy. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm going on about. Was it something Kanye West got for Kim Kardashian? Um, <laughs> yes, it was. Yes, it was. No, I don't know what it is I'm thinking of. <laughs> anyway, never mind. Moving on. right uh, um, These games then. So uh, we have got on uh, the 13th. Is that the Friday? Friday, the, Friday the 13th. Seven o'clock. Uh, what is that time? Seven o'clock Western European time. Seven o'clock. Well, that's just our time. Okay. No, we're GMT. How dare they use Western European time? Yeah, uh, fair enough. We are, but it's definitely seven o'clock. So we are like Greenwich Mean Time is the zero for the world, isn't it? Unless yes. we're zero plus one. No, no, we're zero for the world. That is zero for the world. No, because we change it? because we change our clocks. We're not always yeah, zero. Europe. They always stay an hour. We need um, to qu- we need to sack that off. By the way. Yeah, we do. 
We okay, really yeah. do. I'm keen on that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah. I'm I'm looking at saying seven o'clock where I'm looking. Okay, cool. Um, seven PM will do me. Seven PM, Ireland versus Wales. How do you see this going? I think Ireland will comfortably win. Comfortably. In Ireland too. Wales in all sorts of disarray, no defence coach. Ireland will be absolutely furious about their loss to France. Uh interestingly, the whole Sexton story about the Mia Culpa, uh, about shaking his head and not behaving very well when he when he when he was subbed off, I think he's got a point to prove, which is always a frightening prospect. Ireland for me by about twenty points. Whew. I I think Ireland will win. Um I think it'll be closer than that. Wills um even without their um most recent defence coach will still be a difficult team to break down. Um I think Ireland will win by a score. Five to seven points. Uh, agreed. I'm just going to say I, I agree with Phil. 20 points. Closer to 20 than five to seven, definitely. Okay. Uh, and then England, Georgia. Um, beat, uh, beat down. Uh, oh, one other thing Eddie Jones was suggesting is that he might try his thing that he did with uh, against Georgia with Japan out and having a ninth forward or at least a back who can be a utility forward. Like someone like a yeah. Ben Earl, he actually mentioned. Interesting. Yeah. Well, he mentioned well, the two. The two he mentioned were Ben Earl or Ollie Thorley. Ollie Thorley, yeah. Now Ollie but, Thorley is obviously a back, but he's a big, strong boy. He, he's probably not much difference in size to Ben Earl. Maybe a little bit lighter. Uh, what about uh, Noel? I know he's interested in Noel in lots of ways. The king of the pick and go. Yes. He's he's out of the autumn yeah. nations cup. Yeah, so even though he's out, uh, I guess it is him who is who's planted the seed of what you know what can potentially be done with other players moving either from the forwards to the backs or backs to the forwards. If you are to believe Eddie, of course. Yeah, which which is a dangerous thing to do. It is, isn't it? It is. Um, interesting. Yeah, I think this is going to be a fairly handy England win. I'm afraid to say. I don't see Georgia bringing yeah. much to this party. I agree with yeah. JB. Good. Yeah, it'll be a forty-point England win. Yeah. So I, I watched. I watched uh, most of the game, Scotland versus Georgia, and Georgia did score one try, but they they looked underprepared for that game, um, in in terrible conditions, which you would have thought would have suited the Georgian pack. And uh, Scotland got uh, two or three pushover tries um, from from lineouts. And I, I think England will be no different. It will be a 40-point win. Yeah, and, exactly. Um, and, and it's going to be the start of a tough autumn for Georgia, I fear. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they see if they learn or improve as the tournament goes on. Yeah, I, I, I hope they do. I, I sincerely hope they do. Yeah, likewise. Um, it's a tough old ask for them. I didn't realise it's, it's a country of only 3.7 million. I thought it was a lot yeah. bigger than that. No, not a big country. So not only is it a small population, it's basically the same sort of population size as Wales, and they struggle enough. But did they did they go for Biden or Trump in the end? I can't remember. That's, that's, that's a great question. Have you seen that? Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> How can there be 5 that's... million votes? There's only 3.7 million votes. 3.7 million people. How can there be 5 million votes? Be- oh, yeah. Whoops. <laughs> yeah. I, I, speaking of... Um, like one thing I love about Georgia, the, the I, I've, second time I mentioned Dan Carlin today, but... The, the the Wrath of the Khans series of hardcore history podcasts yeah, is so good, and I love the, the when they talk about the the Mongols getting to the, fighting the Georgian Templar knights. It's just so cool. It is cool. 
Uh, if you've got a spare, I think it's literally 20 hours. Yeah, if you've got a spare 20 yeah. hours, listen to that. <laughs> it's, yeah. a, it's essential listening. Yeah. Uh, Georgia, a loss to England. They yeah. move on. What um, we got? What else we got? Is that it? Scotland. Uh, uh, it, Italy. Sc- Italy are hosting Scotland. And that'll in, kick off earlier. In Florence. Nice. That, that's, according to this, one one forty five, albeit it might be 12.45. Is that I like the... Who played... What's the... You've got Fl- Fl- Fiorentina and... No, Sampdoria is Genoa, isn't it? Is it? Is it just Fiorentina play there? Is it, it is, yeah, their stadium. The Stadio Artemio Franchi is currently the home of AFC Fiorentina. Have you ever been to Genoa? No, I've never been to Genoa or Fiorentina. I've never been to Fiorentina. I've been to Genoa. Hellhole. Is it? That's a hellhole, yeah. <laughs> mm. uh, it's basically the, the Venice from the other side of the country. So you've got Venice on one side and then I'm, I think I've got my geography right there. Hellhole. All yeah. I remember of Fiorentina is Gabriel Battistuta playing up front from back in the day. Uh, and they had a, in the 90s, when Battistuta was playing, they had a purple home kit, I think it was the home yes. kit, which was sponsored by Nintendo. Ah, yeah. Ah, did Fiorentina get relegated to like the fifth division at one point? No, I think you're thinking of Juventus. They went down a couple no, of No, 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 no. Definitely not Juventus, I'm sure. And there's a guy, the right back, Delivio, went all went, went all the way down with him and then all the way back. Ah. Who, is, is there another team that plays in purple? So if it's Fiorentina, I'm sure they got relegated. Hmm. Maybe. Maybe. Hmm. Interesting. There's a lot of um, corruption in the um, Italian football league. Doesn't sound like Maybe. the Italy that I know, mate. <laughs> <laughs> best Italian football kit I can remember was going back to Genoa it was that Sampdoria kit oh. from the 90s but play, royal blue with the, just the one straight red and white stripe there is something stunning isn't there about Italian design uh, the, some of the football kits are yeah you're right about oh. that kit by the way it's superb that kit is awesome that that kit and the other could have been a French rugby kit yeah, yeah. could well be could well be I do you know, the kit I love the most are basically most of the Inter Milan kits I, I love I love it particularly when they've got the white collar with the with the oh, black yeah. with with the with the black and blue stripe stunning kit. Yeah, and there's not there's something very romantic and very stylish about the red and black stripes yeah. for AC Milan versus the blue and black stripes when they play against each other. It's just so cool. Yeah, I wish our rugby team would be better. Genuinely mm. wish that they would be, mm. but they're not. They're uh, not. Funnily enough, though, this might be the second most competitive game of the weekend. Well, Scotland are going to have to make do without their two fly halves. We're going to have Duncan Weir coming to the rescue at fly half. Interesting. So, I like that. I think Duncan Weir's done a tremendous job at Worcester. It just shows that if in the right system, he can be a very effective player. Questions have to be asked, is he a real international fly half? Eh, Worst players have played fly half internationally, but if you do the right things around him, he'll be more than competent. Yeah, I, I, I think that. I think they've got... While you might be missing a bit of a fin sanity, a bit of sparkle, um, he's a very good player. And Scotland have showed over the last couple of weeks they've got a, a, a very solid base. Albeit to say that you have to ignore the um, lineouts in the in the wind at Parky Scarlets two weeks ago. But besides a few wayward lineouts, they've got a very good platform, a very solid base. Um, and I, th- I think he will do well under it. They're looking well set, Scotland, aren't they? They are. Now they I are. might. Tell me if I'm just talking for talking's sake, but I think there are flashes of life from from Italy last week or week before. Was it last week? Yeah, last week. Yeah. 
I'm not sure if it's enough though. I'm not sure if it gets me excited enough. I know Pledre is a very a very good carrier. I know that they've got uh, the young fly half who again had flashes. It's not going to be enough, is it? I, I I think if we try and talk them up, we'll we'll be kidding ourselves. At home to Scotland, this is a really good measure of where they're at. Tradi- yeah, traditionally this would be. I actually think if they have Wales at home, which I don't think they will because they're in different groups, that will be the one from now on that they'll be targeting more. Yeah, I, they they did show some some flashes. Maybe it's enough to trouble Scotland for some of it, but I still think Scotland will win. By so Scotland, fifteen points or more to point Italy. We'll have to see France. They're not winning that one. And then they've got um, Fiji. Fiji. Now this might not go down as an all-time classic, but I believe it was an all-time classic. The game with five yellow cards. Yeah, it was great. Now, God, I remember that. It was one of the most... Do you know what I was saying before? Get rid of cards because it affects the spectacle. Don't get rid of cards, actually. Because you'd (laughs) you'd never have this. It was incredible. At one point... I'm pretty sure that Castro Giovanni lifted someone up and put them on their head for a yellow card. Wasn't there? Was that the one where there was a debate about two Italians potentially? Oh no, it was a different game. There, there was the well, there's two picked them off and one got a red, one got a yellow. Yeah, you're thinking of the World Cup. Yeah, I'm thinking of. The, and yeah. I can't remember. I remember where I was. I was in a bar, unsurprisingly. Um, oh, I remember those days. They were good days, weren't they? Yeah, I was in a bar in Japan. And do you remember? Do you remember this, Phil? We were where? In that funny little rugby semicircular bar. Oh yeah, with the the former rugby player who owned it. Yes, that's right. Was he Canadian? No, he was. Um, no, he's a it, with the, with the very it, stacked chef. Yes, yeah, yes. He, he was. Yeah, um, a Jap- Japanese. He looked like a former rugby player. Yeah, he, he definitely was a former rugby player. There's pictures of him in, from his playing days. Who did they pick up? Bar. I can't remember who they picked up. Oh, excuse me. Oh, they picked up the loose. Um, was it Dwayne Vermaelen? Yeah, I think you might be right there. Yeah, may well. Uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. But you're right about that Italy Fiji game. That'll be uh, that'll be a big test for them. They're but, showing flashes, but they're not gonna they're not gonna get close to Scotland, are they? No, I, I'm Fiji are the one to watch. I think if you know, they could undo Scotland, they could un, they could undo Italy. And what happens after they've played all the games? Is there some sort of final? How's it work, Phil? Uh, sorry, I'm just looking up the, the game uh, from 2013. Is that right? God. Where Fiji, Fiji Italy, um, where they got uh, five yellow cards, including four yellow cards at the same time. That's it, yeah. That, that was Fiji that got the cards, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I think Italy even had a couple as well. <laughs> yes, I'm sure that... I'm sure it was, what's his name, the Leicester Tigers prop, Castro. He picked someone up and didn't quite put them on their head and sort of saved it, which is why it wasn't a red card, it was a yellow instead. Yeah, Italy versus Fiji, 2013. Oh, I'm going to watch that. Straight after this podcast, I'm I'm, I'm, going to watch that. (laughs) There is a YouTube video here. Oh, (laughs) excellent. There you go. There we go. (laughs) Uh, I might even drop a link on our uh, Twitter. and And so... Yeah, JB's right. They play the three games, and then is there a semi-final, final type thing? Yeah, uh, I think it's. Ju- I think it's just a final. Just a final. Um, let me just check. That. So it's England or Ireland versus Finals. France. Yeah. Finals. Uh, oh, hang on. There's no. There's four finals. How does this work? Because the the home nations <coughs> are predetermined. 
for the finals. What? Uh, ah, okay. That's why. So, so um, England's group, so the group with England, Wales, Ireland and Georgia, they are going to be the host teams for the finals. So let's just say Ireland finish first. Yeah. They will host um, whoever finishes first in the other league. Wales finish second, they'll finish, host oh, okay. whoever finishes second. Yeah. England finish third, they'll host whoever finishes third. Gotcha. And Georgia will host at Murrayfield, whoever finishes fourth. Right. Oh, excellent. So, so yeah, we do, on the on the 5th of 6th of December, we do get a finals weekend. Oh, so like Fiji v Georgia at the end could be pretty cool. Yeah. And, and Italy, v Italy v Wales, Scotland v Ireland will be cool, and England v France will be cool as well. Yeah, so what we're looking at, isn't it, is basically a bunch of seeding games to get to that final week. Yeah. So that, yes. there you are, that's awesome. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's quite clever, actually. Yeah. All right. I'll quite, uh, yeah, I'm on board. I'm on board. Um, right. Where, where are we at? Any other business? Uh, no. No, not for me either. Oh, I'll no. tell you what, I've just started watching a new Netflix um, series. Yeah. Um, highly recommend Queen's something? I can't remember what it's called now. But it's about chess. I never thought I'd enjoy watching an orphan play chess, but actually it's brilliant. <laughs> oh. uh, speaking of Amazon Prime, where the rugby will be, uh, if you, you, you watch The Boys. Oh, I love it. That's so good, isn't it? I absolutely love it. You watch it's the boys so film? dark. I've not. No. Yeah. Get get the boys watched. It's really cool. It's um, like imagine it's, so it's superheroes, but superheroes rather than just being these wonderfully virtuous, independent, crime fighting individuals, they are working for a corporation for cash and benefit, and they're all a bit dodgy. It's brilliant. It's, it's really genuinely good. brilliant. It's really good. I don't. Yeah, it sounds like I'd enjoy that. Yeah. Well, that's it then. Let's, uh, let, let's wrap it up. Good, because Phil's already given us a tip off of a book to read. So there you go; he's much more cultured and uh, intellectual than us. <laughs> so I think we're I think we're all done. Top man, Phil. Thank you, thank you, Tim. Thank you, GB. Indeed, right on. Uh, all right, so we are at Rugby Podcast on Twitter, where we will make sure you've got details for how to get involved in a fantasy dr- rugby draft league. If you'd like to come and join us there, uh, he is at Jay Beardmore. Hit subscribe in your feed because there may be a big interview coming. In another episode, I don't think so, mate. I this think, week, I don't think we'll land it. You know, oh, I don't think we'll land it. I don't think we'll land it. It's, it's, it's too big for us. You shouldn't have said Rob Baxter. He's, ne- he's never going to agree to this. No. Anyway, but hit subscribe just in case. And uh, I'm at Cocker, and uh, let the boys play. Let the boys play. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at fifty dollars luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 